Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's Sunday night edition. You're probably listening on a Monday morning. We are recording this after watching all sorts of NFL football from a pretty damn entertaining week two. The 1 p.m. slate and eh, 4 p.m. more than made up for it. So, people, I'm just happy because I can say we on this podcast for the first time. Believe it or not, as much as I like hearing my voice, which really isn't even true, I really don't like hearing it for 90 minutes straight without a break every single Sunday night. So, not only do I now get to talk less, I get to be complimented by one of the best people in the industry that you hear on this very podcast multiple times a week, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane, aka Context Matters, aka at Dwayne McFarlane. You know how it is. Dwayne, <laughs> what's up, buddy? AKA, we're kicking ass. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, week two. Uh... I was just turned away from the TV for a minute, and it's already seven seven over here. So it's like uh, it's like once the early slate was over, like man, like things took off. The early slate just kind of dragged, but like as soon as the second half, you know, the day kicked off, and it's like continuing on through this game. So, yeah, dude, ready to jump in. Dwayne and I are recording this during Sunday Night Football, so Chiefs, Ravens, we will not have immediate takeaways on that because, you know, you're all watching that game. Monday night and Thursday night, same thing. So we will be touching on every game from the 1 p.m., 4 p.m. slate. And let's get after it, Dwayne. Starting things off, the Bills. Just eviscerated the Dolphins 35 to nothing. Buffalo covered easy as a three-point favorite, under hit at 50 points because Miami couldn't do much of anything. Mostly couldn't do anything because Tua, unfortunately, bruised his ribs early on, was not able to return to the game. From the early understanding, it sounds like it's going to be more of a pain tolerance issue. Uh, we'll see, you know, how the official, you know, extra testing comes back throughout the week. But for now, it seems like Tua, it's again, it's more of a pain tolerance thing. That's something that's necessarily going to keep him sidelined for months on end. So. Good news from that standpoint that he's not going to be out for a super long time. Obviously not ideal that just when the guy gets healthy for a game or two, now he's going to have to play through another bunch of pain. When he was not getting hurt, though, it was not very pretty for this offense. And then when Jacoby Brissett came in, things continued to not go great. I'm sure you all could figure that out from the zero points that they scored in this one. Just a few notes from this one in terms of beyond the box score stuff. Devontae Parker let a potential 32-yard score go through his hands in the end zone. Would have been a nice catch. Tredavious White was there. They hit both of his hands, Dwayne. I'm going to call that a sheesh, man. That's just the rule. If you're an NFL wide receiver, hits both of your hands, that's a sheesh. That's all I'm saying. Also, towards the end of the game, Josh Allen, like, really, it was funny, man. They were up 28-0, and Josh Allen was still YOLO-balling his heart out, just chucking it downfield. And he actually had a rushing touchdown originally ruled in, ended up being called short, allowing For the Zach, slide. Yeah, <laughs> allowing Zach Moss to get his second score on the goal line the next play. Final note that I had again just beyond the box score was damn Stefan Diggs he mossed Xavier Howard at the end of this game Xavier was having a great game he even had a pick uh, earlier where he actually jumped a slant from Allen to Diggs but I mean Diggs is going to Diggs one of the best receivers in the game continued to show that so Dwayne those were most of my notes from watching it what did you find that really stood out after going through your utilization report on all the snaps and everything yeah, and just so you guys know, this is all the data pulled today, so some of this could change tomorrow, but the way you know our tools work on the back end, like this is the first pass at it. Yeah. So tomorrow I'll finalize all this stuff. You may be like, oh, you said yesterday it was 74%, and then in your report it was 70 And believe me, some of you do this because you DM <laughs> me, and you hit me up about it. You're like, which is it? And I'm like, golly, I'm officially, glad you guys listen so well. <laughs> it's, a, it's officially unofficial. That's what we're going to Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So this, like, I just pulled it all down just before you know we hopped on because a lot 
lot of it was just finalizing for the games. And so uh, let's just hit on the backfield real quick for the Bills because we did have Zach Moss active today. So he handled 28% of the snaps. He was in a route 19% of the plays. But really the big thing, Ian, was he handled all the short down and distance. So short down and distance is second, third, or fourth down and with one or two yards to go. He handled 80% of those snaps. Devin Singletary only had 20%. So this is something that's just going to hurt Singletary. Singletary had a great play early in the game, an explosive yeah. run. I mean, it was well blocked, but he did what he was supposed to do as an NFL player. Took off, scored a touchdown. Um, long down and distance, two-minute offense, all still belonged to Devin Singletary. So I think it's just going to be the split that we kind of expected coming in. It just was delayed for a week. Um, overall, I don't like it, Ian, just because we know that Josh Allen's still going to be running the ball as well. He handled 11% of the rushing attempts in the game. Um, Mitchell Trubisky had 7% of the rushing plays. Those must have been kneel downs or something weird. But anyway, um, so it's it's just going to be split up. More mouths to feed and a small pie of a backfield, despite the fact that Singletary looked good. Um, and then Moss punched in the two touchdowns. For the Dolphins, uh, your choice, Ian. Do you want to hear about the receiver? Or do you want to hear about the running backs? They're both, you know. I, 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 think, know. I think we already know Gaskin and company are disgusting. Let, let, tell me some good news about Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Yeah, so Waddle today was on the field for 82% of the routes. He actually was second, or sorry, 77%. He was second on the team. So last week he was up around 90%. So that was down just a little bit. Um, as far as, you know, the targets go, 21% of the targets to Devontae Parker, 17% to Jalen Waddle, but 17% to Albert Wilson as well. So I think it's still going to be okay. Um, obviously, we don't we want Tua out there, not Jacoby Brissett. You know, Jacoby is not really someone that's going to enable an offense. Tua, at least there's still the unknown um, that, hey, potentially Tua is really could be a good quarterback, right? And there's this upside um, that's sitting there that we pretty much know is not going to be there with Jacoby Brissett, much more of a game manager. Um, and they could potentially slow things down, which this offense, what's been nice about it, Ian, the first few weeks is, man, they have been like the tempo has been great. Um, so ran 74 plays in this game. And so that's one of the better marks for the week. So even if you're only around a 20% target share, if you keep running all those plays, it can be nice. I worry about that with Jacoby Brissett, though. Yeah, Jacoby, I like, you know, when he was with the Colts full starting season, when Andrew Luck, you know, retired just out of the blue, he would make a few really good throws, like just off script every now and then, because he can't move around, but like you just see like his, you know, his pocket presence is like a sundial at times, like in terms of what he's, he's able to yeah, yeah, exactly. See it, throw exactly. It, see it throw at quarterback. He's not as much, you know, timing and all the other. So I feel like he kind of limits an offense. Not, he's a, he's yeah. an NFL quarterback. He's I'm not as bad so. as this. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, he's not as bad as the zero points indicate. But, yeah, to your point, he's not going to elevate these guys like Tua potentially yeah. could. Um, and, yeah, everyone, look, Josh Allen, another disappointing game for his standards, at least uh, relative to what we saw uh, really come to fruition last year, only 179 yards. But, my goodness, like this was a down game for Stephon Diggs. And this brings me to our PFF Lily stat as I clarify once a podcast Lily is my 28 pound wiener dog this is not an acronym for an advanced PFF stat like someone got confused with last year so with that in mind Stefan Diggs has it caught should be it should, <laughs> it should be, should yeah. be yeah. I'll work on that for next year Stefan Diggs has caught at least six passes in all but two of his 21 games since joining the Bills the two games he did not he caught four passes for 49 yards and a touchdown against Jalen Ramsey last year and today he caught four passes for 60 yards and and a score. The touchdown was like 
typical Josh Allen, no, 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 no. Yes, like throwing it back across the field to a wide open Diggs. And like I said, he had that moss on uh, Zavian at the end of the game. So even when Diggs, quote unquote, has like a down fancy game for him, it's still a good one. And it's usually even more impressive in real life. So, people, I did get eyes on that one. We have four games from this afternoon that I was not able to watch play-by-play. Play. I wish I had an extra set of eyeballs to do so. Unfortunately not. Luckily, PFF, they give us like an octo box with all the games on at once. So, just going to clarify for a few of these games, I didn't get full eyes on it, and that's why some of these sections will be shorter than others. And that is one of these next ones. Bears defeated the Bengals 20-17. to Bears covered as a one-point underdog on the under hit at 44-and-a-half. So, Allen Robinson has caught passes in his career from Christian Hackenberg, Matt McGoin, Blake Bortles, Chad Henney, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, Andy Dalton. I, I nailed it, man. Didn't even have him written down. I just got that memorized uh, to heart at this point. And he dropped a touchdown from the best one yet, Justin Fields. So he caught one earlier. It wasn't a complete waste from Allen Robinson, but could have been a two-touchdown day. I was seeing some of the Bears slander saying, oh, no, Allen Robinson's got a case of Javon Wims and all that going on. Good joke, but we'll you know give A-Rob some slack. It is pretty – I imagine it's pretty tough having to catch passes from, let's see, now five different quarterbacks in the last you know 18 or so regular season weeks he's been dealing with. We we did get to see Justin Fields, though. Was it because Matt Nagy really wanted him to be out there? Of course not. It was because Andy Dalton suffered a knee injury. So far, it is not believed to be a serious ACL injury, but we shall find out, Dwayne. So pretty uh, ugly game from what I can gather with this. You know, the Bengals weren't doing much of anything until the end of it. But what did you see, you know, just really beyond the box score in terms of snaps and stuff that you want to point out? Yeah, just real quick on the Bengals, number one, you know, Joe Mixon still was doing everything. You, sometimes you just have a rough game. You can get all the utilization you want. You can get all the carries and you run into, you know, a bad matchup. And that's what happened. I mean, he's, he still he had everything, essentially. Um, he did give up some of the long down and distance work. They never ran the two minute offense um, during the game. So I didn't get to see that. But all the attempts, you know, he had 84 percent of the snaps. As far as the Bengal wide receivers go, um, I think we're going to deal with this each week. You, there's three good players. So they're all on the field. They're all running routes. Everything looks good from that perspective. Um, targets per route run, though, and target shares today went more. They swung in favor of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd rather than Jamar Chase. But Jamar Chase came through for you um, because he caught a long touchdown there at the end of the game. Uh, but 2.21 yards per route run today for Tyler Boyd. So it was a nice day. 31% of the targets, 34% of the targets to, to uh, T. Higgins. So all three guys still. The cool thing is all three, of, none, none of the three killed you. Right now, it did have to come late. You're probably sweating it a little bit, but it was okay. Two quick things on the Bears. Um, David Montgomery, man, kind of his stat line, you know, I color code all this stuff and it's almost as green as Joe Mixon's from utilization. 80% of the snaps, 64% of the routes, 72% uh, of the rushing plays, 100% of the short down and distance. And this week, he picked up 75% of the long down and distance. He didn't get that last week. He split that. Now, the, the two-minute offense went completely to Damian Williams. He had 100% of it. Um, but I think that overall is really good, you know, for Montgomery. Um, Ian, knowing how good he looked last week, I don't know if, I mean, obviously you didn't get to see this game as much. I didn't get to see him with my eyeballs today i want to go back and watch it again so very positive for david montgomery and that box score i mean he's looking like he's continues to look like a very solid rb2 
Yeah, and we can live with him. Look, not every running back is going to play 100. No, nobody except Najee Harris in week one plays 100%. He missed a snap. He missed a snap today. Oh, my Ian. gosh. I saw your breaking news uh, tweet about <laughs> it. That was freaking great. freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, is he hurt? Oh, no, he just missed a snap. I see what you did. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just took a playoff. But, yeah, as long as Montgomery is getting a decent portion of that target share, that's fine. And, again, in this game, four targets, caught three of them for 18 yards. We can certainly live with that. But our PFF Lily matchup stat here comes from the first guy you talked about, Joe Mixon, because people, we just cannot fade this volume, not even if there is a fire. Since week one of 2020, his combined carries and targets in eight games, 21, 20, 20, 31, 32, 21, 33, most recently 21. So Joe Mixon has the workload of an RB1, and God forbid no injuries happen. I'm knocking on wood as I say it. I think he will be an RB1 when everything is said and done this season. Next game, also wasn't able to catch the full viewing of it. Broncos defeat the Jaguars 23-13. to Denver managed to cover as six-point favorites, the under of 45 hit. The main highlight I just kept seeing because, you know, red zone's flying on and this and that. Cortland Sutton just absolutely balling, which was great to see. You know, week one really just caught a bad matchup against James Bradbury, who is pretty much like his kryptonite in terms of just one of the best cornerbacks in the league when guarding these, you know, bigger-bodied physical wide receivers. Wasn't a problem. Problem in this one 12 targets nine catches 159 yards only thing he missed was scoring a touchdown but it seems like there's little doubt in the absence of jerry judy that sudden will be this passing game's number one option and then yeah on the jacksonville side of the ball it, it's tough Dwayne, because i see trevor lawrence make a couple throws a game and you're like okay yeah that's why he's been lauded as one of the best recruits and just quarterback prospects and recent memory and then you see all the throws he's making to the other team and it's like damn Trevor like what the hell was that man so still rough from him look we've seen so many end up being successful rookie quarterbacks have these sort of struggles and like we'll talk about Zach Wilson here in a little bit like there are worse positions to be in than Lawrence right now with that said like it's not good that we have to be making these excuses like when we were talking about in the preseason man like it'd be take a grain of salt with this good performance it was still better to see guys playing well than seeing them play poorly so when you add that on top of the fact that ever since Urban Meyer's gotten there there hasn't been too much right going on at least that right that people can really agree with on the outside and it's just not looking all that promising for Lawrence and his passing game so managed to find Marvin Jones for a touchdown the first drive of the game after that Jacksonville could not find the end zone their other score was actually a defensive special teams one I meant to, I actually just got some field goals so only one offensive touchdown for the Jaguars in this one hopefully they can get moving on Dwayne Please, for the love of God, tell me we have some good news with James Robinson because I, I can't take much more pain from this Jaguars we, offense. We do, man. Let's 73, go. 73% of the snaps, 63% of the routes, 73% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance, 100% of the long down and distance. The only thing he gave away other than basically every fourth drive, Hyde coming in, giving him a breather, 92% of the two-minute offense went to, went to Hyde. But it's like what you said earlier about Montgomery. Look, there's only so many backs that li literally get to check all those boxes like you know even like a Joe Mixon or you know some of these other guys do most of them don't get to check all of them so to get to check all of them with I mean at least you know 80% of them with authority which is what we're seeing there with James Robinson James Robinson that's really good that's a good sign I think for him um, got 8% of the targets on the day not a ton but he's out there he's gonna get used um, 
had some problems in the pass blocking game today, um, which is probably part of why they don't have him out there in the two-minute offense with the way they want to run things. Um, on Sutton, just real quick, man, 34% of the targets, 60% of the air yards, 4.97 yards per route run today. Cortland Sutton was on fire. Uh, I got a lot of questions last week around Noah Fant um, on Twitter. So real quick, um, he did get up over the 70% route uh, per dropback number that we want to see. We want it to be 80%, but he got to 73%. We'll take it, Ian. We'll take a step at a time. Um, but he was out there for most of the time. Um, he was out there in most of the long down and distance. So when they wanted to throw, they had him out there. 17% target share today, but 21% targets per route run. So that puts him right there. And, you know, if you look at his you know, talent, you look at, you know, his situation, he's probably right there in that tight end seven, eight range, but he has some weekly upside because he does have big playability runner for the catch ability. So he could sneak into say top four or five, you know, any given week. Yeah. Fant caught a short touchdown as did Tim Patrick. You know, we still saw our friend, actually not our, our not our fantasy friend. I, I should say Alberto stole away four targets from that tight end room. That's really the only thing stopping Fant from yep. getting even higher, like into the top five, six. But as you said, still a perennial uh, top eight option. It's looking like Dwayne from the box score. It looks like that once again, Denver is just splitting things right down the middle between Javante and Melvin. It's like if you're playing like NCA 14 and you just happen to recruit these two dope backs and you're just literally rotating them every single carry to try to keep things even it's 50 50 small development though so yes uh, 45 percent of the attempts to each one of them of the rushing attempts but 60 percent of the snaps to gordon 40 percent to javante and where the difference is coming in gordon's getting to play uh they're they're putting him out into pass routes more often so he was in a route 55% of the time, Javante only 25%. The other thing is once they got to short down a distance, which also typically equals what? Inside the five rushing attempts. You'll hear me talk about inside the five, but I use short down a distance because most teams, it's synonymous. Whoever they're short down a distance back is also typically their you know, back for inside the five and you, and you get a bigger sample size. So 71% of the carries with you know second, third, or fourth down with one to two yards to go all went to Melvin Gordon. So Melvin Gordon, is starting to get more weighted on the touches that matter, especially in PPR. He's out there catching more balls, but also standard leagues because he's probably the one that's more more likely to score touchdowns. So Javonta Williams right now, for me, is a very low-end RB3, Ian. Not, not saying that that can't get better. Not telling you guys go dump him. Just be thinking, you know, if you've got – if you need to – if you have to use him, you can use him. Yeah. But you're basically – you're hoping you get lucky really right now with Javonta. He was definitely on the higher end of things just for that matchup this week. I do think he's on the verge of earning some more uh, workload because, man, he has been making the most out of these rush attempts. Per PFF, Javante has broke 11 tackles on his 27 rush attempts. Melvin Gordon, just two on his 24. Look, I get it. He ran, had a nice 70-yard touchdown last week. I'm not saying he was bad this week either, but Javante, from a breaking tackle perspective, looks like the real deal. PFF Lily matchup stat. Unfortunately, it's a little bit of a dig at the artist formerly known as James RB1 son. So in two games this year, Robinson has eight and 14 overall touches. He had at least 16 touches in all 14 games last season. So it just sucks. And, you know, these have been two pretty bad losses for the Jaguars in a game where they have positive game script. You would hope that he was going to be out there getting 15 to 20 touches, but it's tough and it's not a sure thing. And that is why we're going to continue to rank Robinson more of a borderline RB2 low end RB2 in a good matchup as opposed to the perennial top 10 guy he was in 2020. 
Next up, Browns-Texans. This was the third of the fourth game I could not get full eyes on. Texans covered, again, our favorite Texans, uh, plus 13 and a half. Uh, underdogs entering this one, the over hit at 48 and a half. Um, it was funny, early on in the slate, I was, I think, I, was, I do these shish alerts just trying to do, like, again, beyond the box score type things. And a bunch of people were just adding me about Andy Janovich scoring a touchdown, the Browns fullback. And that doesn't really, like, qualify. It's just annoying. But you know what, people? There you go. Andy Janovich, uh, Goal line, vulture, sheesh. It me. is annoying when you already have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. <laughs> but, like, I, I'm cool with the fullbacks getting a touchdown. They deserve to I get know, a touchdown. That's because you're a there. linebacker, and that's like uh, your cousin. You're a fair. linebacker. The fullback is like your cousin in the, yeah. in the football you know, family tree. I used to love in high school when like a coach would like reward a team by you know putting their alignment at fullback and giving them a run. I, I guess I guess Bruce Arians still does that with Vita Vea from time to time. But anyway, staying on the subject, uh, a lot of injuries in this one, unfortunately. Jarvis Landry suffered a knee issue, had to leave this one very early. Baker Mayfield, it looked problematic for a second with a shoulder injury, but he was able to come back in. Tyrod Taylor suffered a hamstring injury, and he will actually be out for next Thursday night as well, which led to Davis Mills coming into this one for the Texans. And then finally, for the, all, all of those that, you know, definitely have super big fantasy implications with this, Danny Amendola with a hamstring and Nico Collins with a shoulder injury also got banged up. So, you know, not the most eventful game. It looked like the Texans might have something for the Browns early. You know, Brandon Cooks had a nice touchdown. Tyrod was out there running around doing his thing. He scored a 15-yard rushing touchdown, but ultimately just couldn't stay healthy enough. Uh, you know, for those that were just hoping for an explosion from the Browns offense, it's unfortunate you didn't get it. And Dwayne, we didn't get it because, again, it's looking like Chubb and Hunt, much more of a true 1A, 1B, if not just, you know, straight up down the middle committee than I think a lot of people were expecting going into the season. Yeah, 41% of the rushing attempts, you know, to each one of them. So um, it's dead on, you know, from a rush percentage standpoint. It's kind of like, you know, the situation we just talked about. When you look at the just the true snaps, 57% to Chubb, 38% to um, Kareem Hunt. If you look at the routes, 62% to Chubb versus 34% for Hunt. That was kind of weird. You don't usually see that for uh, Chubb. I would have to dig into that further. My guess is it was just based on the game script and the number of uh, first and second downs where they chose to actually put Chubb into the route. Now, they didn't have any receivers either so they yeah. had to get their backs out there like the tight ends like here's the tight end target shares all three of them 24 percent, 14 percent, 19 percent. that was across hooper and joku and harrison bryant so they had to take everything through the tight ends and the backs pretty much this game um donovan peoples jones man this is two weeks in a row and he's had a chance to show us something sorry sorry you're cut you're gone can't keep you on any of my squads even the deep ones anymore i'm, I'm through with it um as far as the texans go um i think we saw now with a little bit of a different game script like what can happen right with mark ingram and i know everybody was kind of excited about it he still handled 50 percent of the rushing attempts but whenever you end up in a situation where um, you're not leading the whole game which the texans aren't going to do very often it's problematic last thing i'll say about the texans i don't know if you had an injury note or if i if you may have said it and i may have uh not heard it i think you was it oh yeah collins had a shoulder yeah so I, I was wondering what the deal was because last week he was really the wide receiver too and he was he must have done that really early in the game because so. he pretty much didn't play at all that running back room just remains a complete mess on the Houston side of things. If yeah, credit all, to, all of them being used. Yeah, yeah. Credit, to, credit to Philip Lindsay for catching a, a short touchdown pass. I think it was like 20 yards, but yeah, people, we are staying far away from that. And also, I mean, look, Baker, he only had to throw the ball 21 times, so when you hear those heightened, you know, tight end target shares, just realize it was still uh, relatively, you know, mild overall numbers. Yeah, yeah, Austin yeah. Hooper led the way with just five targets. But man, oh man, has Baker just continued to be efficient as hell with his opportunities, despite there not being 
a ton of them. 19 for 21 in this one. And cool staff from the PFF back end. This year on play action, Baker Mayfield is 15 for 15 for 230 yards. Let's get the guys some healthy freaking receivers here for a week and see what can happen. But that is not the PFF Lily stat. That award goes to Mr. Brandon Cooks, who just keeps on balling out. So if you guys remember, Will Fuller and my guy, Duke Johnson, went bonkers against the Lions last year on Thanksgiving. That was Fuller's last game uh, before he got suspended. So since then, Brandon Cooks has gone five catches, 65 yards, six catches, 59 yards, seven catches, 141 yards and a touchdown, 11 catches, 166 yards and two touchdowns. We fast forward to 2021, five catches, 132 yards. And today, nine catches, 78 yards and a score. Just again, shout out Brandon Cooks for balling out. He was one of these guys where you looked at his past career, Brady, Breeze, Watson, a briefly good version of Jared Goff. Like he was always playing with these great quarterbacks and it was sometimes hard to discern the difference between Cooks and who he was playing with this at least for two games and really even going back to last year a little bit too is proven to us just how great he is i mean Dwayne, we could see brandon cooks just have like a quiet 1300 yard year because no one gives a shit what's going on in houston and uh, hey credit to him hopefully uh, next year he gets to play or halfway through this year gets to play on a legit contender Next yeah. game up, this was a... Hopefully yeah, Tyrod's okay. That's, that's going to be... Yeah, my for God. Never see more bad luck with a guy. This just sucks. Yeah. Rams 27, Colts 24. This was an entertaining one. This really wasn't as close as the score indicated, but hey, credit to the Colts. They covered at plus four and a half, overhit at 48. I, I guess it could have been closer. There was a lot of weird stuff that happened in that game. Let's just say that. First things first, my helicopter went crashing down because Jonathan Taylor got stuffed on not one, not two, but three straight rush attempts from the one yard line on their first drive of the game after that once was not able to convert on fourth down. The next drive comes along, or maybe it was two drives after. They're once again inside the 10 yard line. Carson Wentz tries to do like an underhand shovel that he ends up throwing directly to the defensive lineman. That got picked off. So those were the two fluky plays that, you know, just maybe not fluky, you know, credit to the Rams for stuffing Taylor on three straight plays but those were the times that we would expect to be touchdowns other more times than not but then later in the game the rams were punting from inside their 20 and the snapper literally just hit their up man and the ball rolled into the end zone the colts were able to jump on it and score a touchdown so i was in a pfs PFF office where everyone had Colts like money line except for me. I was the one guy rooting for the Rams, and luckily they came out on top of that. But anyway, Michael Pittman was impressive. Dwayne, we don't give him a ton of credit on this podcast, but credit is earned here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And I thought he did that in spades in this one. He really is just problematic to get to the ground when he gets going. Really big guy, and the Colts have done a good job setting him up for some yak friendly schemes. I just saw in this one him actually pulling away from the guy more so than just, you know, blown coverage instances. So overall for Pittman, 12 targets, caught eight of them for 123 yards. No T.Y. Hilton, no Paris Campbell, but even when they're back, I do think Pittman, if anyone, is the guy to own in Indy. Also would note that Daryl Henderson was playing relatively well and he was really dominating snaps and everything until he suffered a ribs injury. And this is really problematic, people, because what has Sean McVay said all offseason? That he likes Henderson. He doesn't like that Henderson can't stay healthy. And that is once again rearing its ugly head. So Sonny Michelle came in and looked spry. I don't want to say necessarily better, but certainly looked like someone that could split work even once Henderson is back in action. So that will definitely be something to monitor, particularly, man, 
man. Like, I just – ribbing shoulder injuries for running backs, you're taking enough hits every single game. I just – that's really hard for me to imagine guys are able to continue running like they would uh, – you know, run as hard as they would want to at 100%. Final note was that Carson Wentz did not finish this game. He suffered an ankle injury that we're going to need to find more about going into the upcoming weeks. And that led to Jacob Eason coming in and immediately getting intercepted by Jalen Ramsey on a second pass of the game. So, fun game. Again, a lot of weird things were happening. I guess that's kind of the case with some of these Carson Wentz indie teams. But, hey, Dwayne, it is what it is. What did you uh, take away from this? And I'm guessing a big part is the artist known as Marlon Mack reappeared in this backfield rotation. Yes, yes he did. And, and that's just a real pain in the butt. <laughs> so, I mean, now your total snaps for JT, 45%. Naheem Hines, oh, 38%. 45? They couldn't yep. get him 50? No, 18%. Got to get 18% to Marlon Mack. Uh, you, know? I mean, you, know, you have to do this. You have to do these things. And he, this is what he I talked 20, about all offseason, too, and I'm still pissed and surprised. 24% of the rushing attempts to Marlon Mack, 71% to JT. But here's the bigger problem. You know, JT only targeted on 7% of the routes um, that he ran. He was only in a route 33%. Last week, they schemed it up to get him in, engaged, and that's the problem. If they don't do that and they don't create those looks for him, he's not naturally part of the passing game. And so it's just going to be something we're going to deal with. It looks, honestly, Ian, it's exactly like it was to begin the year last year. You know, whenever we struggled with JT early, now he got on the tracks and he got going towards the end, and if you drafted him in the first round, I mean, you're married pretty much to Jonathan Taylor, so you're going to have to stick with it anyway. Um, and it's just going to be a problem, though, as long as Marlon Mack is around and he's doing his thing. Um, you know, you're still going to get some big games out of him, but you're just going to have to ride the roller coaster. Um, Sony Michelle did come in and pretty much take he took over all the work. Jake Funk got out there a little bit. Uh, interestingly, they put uh, the. Don't they call Jake? What do they call Jake Funk? The black Christian McCaffrey? Isn't that what? Oh, no, the white one. Yeah. They call, it might be the black Christian McCaffrey. I'm not sure. No, he has to be the black one because Christian McCaffrey's not. I know. So, I was I just mean, thinking that. <laughs> but, but 50%. What, what did I put in this drink? Well, yeah, 50, 50% of the short down and distance. Not exactly the way I think of Jake Funk, but it was on a really small sample size. Here's the one thing I'll say about the Rams, man. Like, they have their starters and they love them. 100% of the snaps to Higby, 100% of the snaps to Cooper Cup, uh, 98% of the snaps to Robert Woods after a kind of a weird week last week. And man, Deshaun Jackson, no longer. Only 5%. Van mm. Jefferson, 92% of the snaps in. Um, oh. Here's my problem with this offense. Like, it looks great. But all of a sudden, we've had this McVay offense that's 65 to 70 plays a game. It's like a snail. Last week was terrible, like 55 plays. This week's 59, and I've got all the penalties in here. So it's less than this. Um, huh. So that's that's kind of scary um, because it becomes more like what we got used to with the, Se with the Seahawks offense where – you know, you're scoring fantasy points, but it's like on razor thin margins because it has to come through efficiency. And so if all of a sudden you face a defense that can actually keep those four or five targets from turning into touchdowns, and not to say that was the case, Cup had nine targets today, so he was fine. Cup, Cup was 39% of the targets, but just so you guys know, Woods was 29%. I know he didn't show up as big in the box score, um, but I think Robert Woods is going to be fine. But man, um, if this offense would get back to the old McVay ways of 70 plays, oh my gosh, it would be... It would be nuts for fantasy football. Right now it's good, but it could be nuts. Yeah, Cup 163 yards and a pair of scores. One of the most underrated yak guys in the league again and again. That dude is just hard to get to the ground. A uh, couple of cool stats here for you at the end. So the one big takeaway from Carson Wentz, and it's kind of what happened in Philly last year. He makes a couple throws, a couple plays a game that make you think like, oh, yeah, this is why. This is the guy that used to be a legit MVP candidate before he got hurt, and this is why the Colts are taking a chance on him. 
But Dwayne, like PFF has done really good work in the past of showing that sacks and pressures are more of a quarterback stat than the offensive line. Like what was the big thing we wanted him to get away from Philly to go get this great Colts O-line? It hasn't really changed much because he holds the ball too damn long. He can't get, you know, can't get that fast decision making into his head seemingly. So here are the sacks Carson Wentz has taken since week one of last season. Eight, zero. There we go. Remember that one zero because that's the last time we're going to hear it. Three, three, five, six, three, four, three, five, six, four. In two games this year, three sacks taken in each. Like, it's just brutal, man. And again and again, you just see him holding that ball and just trying to seemingly make up for a season's, you know, at least a little bit over a season's worth of disappointment at this point. Here's to hoping he's at least healthy enough to try to get that back. That is not our PFF Lily stat, though. That award goes to Zach Pascal, man. Seven touchdowns in his last six games. Dwayne, at what point do we have to start touting Zach Pascal? Because like I joke about it, but it's starting to not become a joke. This guy just keeps making plays. Like, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you just gotta go with it <laughs> at this point. Um, I mean, every opportunity he gets, he steps forward and he does a good job. I mean, and look, Paris Campbell just can't stay healthy, and it's not like he's shown us anything anyway. So to me, if I if I look, we can never assume anything with coaching staffs, but if I were leading this coaching staff, at this point, I mean Pascal just needs to be the guy that's out there more, you know, and he really has been even more than Campbell last week when Campbell got to play. We need to do one of those, you know, player A, player B studies. Just take away the names and try to show the people that Zach yep. Pascal can be the real deal. Next one we got here, Patriots 25, Jets 6. Patriots managed to cover as 6.5-point favorites. The under of 43.5 hit. Wasn't able to get full eyes on this one. All I did here was again and again and again, oh, no, Zach Wilson. There's another interception by Zach Wilson. And it kind of reminded me, Dwayne, of that uh, Dion Waiters quote. I'm not sure if you're a big basketball guy. I'm really not. But I've enjoyed hearing about Dion Waiters over the years because that guy just never lacks confidence. And he had a great quote that I'm going to pull up now where he said this is from Dion Waiters I'd rather go 0 for 30 than 0 for 9 because you go 0 for 9 that means you stop shooting that means you lost confidence Zach Wilson did not lose confidence but maybe he should have lost a little bit maybe he wouldn't have thrown four freaking interceptions so we knew Zach Wilson was going to have some ups and downs just like Trevor Lawrence just like really the rest of these rookie quarterbacks save for uh, Mac Jones at this point who is doing a pretty good job taking care of the ball limiting the mistakes we still saw the tantalizing arm talent we we still saw some of the off-script ability at the end of the day, though. Just six points. New York faithful were already booing their new quarterback. Not looking too good, Dwayne. But at least on the Patriots' side of the ball, Mac Jones got another win. Damon Harris, James White got touchdowns. At least his Patriots' defense is once again looking good. Yeah, this seemed like one of the more boring games of the slate, but do you have some cool utilization stuff to maybe spice things up a little bit, Dwayne? Yeah, so, I mean, something that's problematic here is Corey Davis was only in a route 67% of the plays, only out there for oh, no. 73% of the snaps. So the, the Jets were really rotating four receivers. Elijah Moore, 78% of the snaps. Corey Davis, 73%. Braxton Berrios, 59%. Jeff Smith, got to get him on the field. Keelan Cole, I haven't been able to break this down, Ian, and go see, did that happen late in the game, like after it was pretty much over or out of hand? I don't know. That could be the case. It could just be through three quarters. Corey Davis was out there all the time, and then all of a sudden that he wasn't. So that's 
something I'll have to look at and I'll, I'll definitely put something about it into the utilization report. Um, but today, only 17% of the targets to Corey Davis. You had 29% to Braxton Berrios, 26% to Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore also led the team in air yards with 34% of those. As far as the Patriots go, um, you really had Hunter Henry out there uh, much more often than Janu. Um, 71% of the routes to Hunter Henry, 37% to Janu Smith. You had uh, target shares, though, flip 13% to Hunter Henry and 17% to Janu Smith. Targets per route run still really high. Um, whenever he's on the field, Mac Jones does look for Janu Smith. 38% of the times he's in a route, he gets targeted. Um, so that's really it. Um, J.J. Taylor was active instead of Ramondre Stevenson. Didn't really do a lot. Um, it was it was mostly James White and Damian Harris, but right at 10% of the snaps, just enough to be a pain. You know, we got to have these three-way backfields. Of um, course. Harris obviously carrying, you know, continues to carry the load as far as the rushing attempts, 67% of them. James White's really the main attraction when it comes to the passing game in the backfield. Yeah, I would know Johnny was playing through a hip injury is questionable yeah. coming in. With that said, though, I mean, they were still using both guys out there. So hopefully the targets come back around. That Jet stuff is especially concerning, man, because for Braxton Berrios to be the leader out here, out of freaking nowhere, seven catches, 73 yards on 11 targets, like that was with Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims inactive. Like apparently Denzel Mims, the reports were he just had a great week of practice and was tearing it up, and they said, screw you, Denzel, go sit down anyway. Crowder, I thought, was trending towards playing. He ended up not being able to gut it out. So that's always kind of been the concern with the Jets. If we can get Zach and just Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, great. I'm sure he can get enough condensed targets to those guys to make it work out. But if we got five or six receivers eventually rotating guys, that is going to be a problem. PFF Lily matchup stats. It is Damian Harris's touches in 10 games without Sony Michelle over the past two seasons. I think you guys are going to see from this list that, yeah, we do have some upside, but we also have the typical Patriots. We're going to keep three running backs involved downside. So in these, ten, in these games, he's had 17 touches, 7, 11, 16, 14, 22, 12, 14, and this year, 25 and 17. So I think it makes sense that the 25 and 17, maybe something more in the middle of that, or at least in that range is the new norm. But man, Dwayne, like this week, JJ Taylor was active. Last week, Ramondre Stevenson was active until he fumbled. I don't think we're seeing the Harrison White one-two punch and that's it backfield anytime soon. Last game that I did not get full eyes on uh, throughout the afternoon, the 49ers defeated the Eagles 17-11. to Credit to Shanahan for covering as a three-point favorite, the under hit at 49. My goodness, people, Elijah Mitchell, fantasy managers, you are not happy, and I am one of them, and I'm not happy either. So he did score a short touchdown, but not so fast, my friend. He was ruled down, and Jimmy freaking G decided to sneak it in. Like, the amount of Jimmy G, even the preseason, man, like, the amount of runs he has been taking lately, instead of not only the running backs, but also Trey Lance, just infuriating. Somehow, Jimmy Garoppolo had 11 rush attempts in this game, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not a quarterback that should be having 11 rush attempts. So take that for what you will. But yeah, man, it was just pretty rough sledding for this entire 49ers offense. Only 3.1 yards per carry as a team. Trey Sermon came in, his first carry, kind of bursts to the left side, gets up about eight yards from field, takes two hellacious helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits. He is in the concussion protocol. I believe uh, he got pulled out being evaluated for it, so waiting for official confirmation on that, but certainly not looking good for Sermon. And Jermichael Hasty injured his ankle, and Elijah Mitchell injured his shoulder. Now, Mitchell did manage to come back and return with about five minutes left. Kyle Shanahan, after the game, said that he's thinking it's more of a stinger. He wasn't hurt. Hurt. He was able to come back in and feel okay. Of course, they won't know the full 
severity of the injury until they get the MRI. So this led to Trenton freaking Cannon getting actual RB reps at the end of the game. And this 49ers backfield just gets messier and messier by the day. Like, don't freak out, everyone. Mitchell still has 17 carries, and we'll hear more from Dwayne about his overall role because, you know, Shanahan, what did he tell us throughout the week? And what did the 49ers beats try to say? Like, oh, okay, Sermon will be active this week. Ayuk, it was a hamstring thing. He'll be, he'll get used more. They had a combined zero touches in the first half. So, you know, I am just so sick and tired of hearing from anyone from San Francisco lately. But alas, a few things on the Eagles side of the ball. Jalen Hurts hit Quez Watkins on a deep dime. 91 yards, somehow got hawked, wasn't able to score a touchdown, but credit Quez Watkins on the two-catch, 117-yard performance. He was the only Eagles uh, receiver with over 25 yards to let down for Devontae, Goddard, all those other pass catchers. But, you know, credit to you, Quez Watkins. But, hey, didn't matter for Jalen Hurts. He still put together a good QB fantasy performance. Why? Because dual-threat QBs are a cheat code like we've been telling you all freaking summer, people. 10 carries, 82 yards, and a score on the ground. That will play. We'll need to see what the final, you know, fantasy football verdict comes out from these QBs. But if he missed the, you know, QB1 threshold, I don't think it's going to be by too much. So, unfortunately, the Eagles did lose their uh, stud defensive end, Brandon Graham, to an Achilles injury. Hate to see that. Credit to this defense, though. Now in back-to-back weeks, making both the Falcons and 49ers look awfully bad. And we've seen them, you know, both those offenses look quite a bit better in their other matchups. So, Dwayne, let's kick things off with this 49ers usage because we can't trust what anyone's saying. We can only at this point trust what the numbers are telling us. <laughs> yeah, so 61% of the stand, and it's kind of tricky because the injuries that all you know played a role in it. But it was essentially what we had we saw last week, to be honest. You know, about half the carries went to Elijah Mitchell. He came off the field on long down and distance and two minute situations, gave way to Jamichael Hasty. Um, so it was pretty much it was pretty much where we thought it was going to be. He, Elijah Mitchell was probably going to be somewhere around fifty five to sixty percent of the rushing attempts, just not very involved in the passing game. Jamichael Hasty wasn't going to be a factor in the rushing game. Maybe three or four carries and mostly you know sniping all the receptions. So uh, Sermon was not a factor until injury. So I don't think he had a role. Um, I think it was literally he had to go out there um, because they had lost both backs and they had to get him into the game and it just didn't work out. So then if you want to look at, you know, Brandon Ayuk, man, it's not good, Ian. It's not good. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is only out there for 59% of the routes, target share of 6%, targets per route run of 10%. I mean, he was at least out there on long down and distance this week. I guess you could say at least. So when they knew they had to throw, he was out there 83% of the time. I mean, this is all positive compared to last week. It's a step in the right direction. It's just definitely not what you want to see. Trent Sherfield still getting out there. Muhammad Sanu still getting out there. Freaking Jawan Jennings catching touchdown passes. I mean, come on, guys. Like, So I'm really worried about Ayuk. Um, the offense honestly doesn't look very good anyway. The offense looks like very shaky at this point point. Um, the good news for Kittle is he was in a route pretty much all the time. Last week, he was blocking for some weird reason. Um, so I don't know. Shanahan had an epiphany and decided to let him run routes again. Um, as far as the Eagles go, man, Goddard and Ertz are just terrorizing each other. Um, 48% of the routes to Goddard, 55% to Zach Ertz. So you can't stuff to use these Eagles tight ends right now. Um, the one thing I can say, Ian, you know, to end this, end this little segment on a positive note, Devonta Smith, I know he didn't come through big in the box score, but man, 36% of the targets in a route, 90% of the time, um, 50% of the air yards, 31% targets per route run. Like he is the number one by far. There's no one else close. This is two weeks in a row where he has been the lead. 
And I just don't, I, I think he's going to continue to be. If you had to say that there's a, you know, there's really not even a second, it's several guys just kind of pitching in. This week it was Rager. Um, last week it was Goddard. And so I think you're just going to see more of a rotation. But Devonta Smith is really asserting himself as the alpha in the Eagles offense um, from a receiving standpoint. I'd be very surprised upon further reviewing this game to see anything that's going to change our total, you know, season outlook on Devonta. He's going to stay right around that wide receiver two borderline with the potential to rise up much further. But you said it, man, this 49ers offense doesn't look very good so far. Okay, they put up 41 in week one. I think they had at least one defensive score go their way in that one. But it brings me back to, you know, one of the more interesting stats I found this offseason. As much love as Kyle Shanahan gets, and I'm not saying he shouldn't get it, Dwayne, he's only had two offenses ranked inside the top 20 in scoring since 2010. That was the 2012 RG3 year. They ranked fourth. And the 2016 Falcons, who ranked first. Okay, excuse me, three of them. 2019, the 49ers ranked second. Every other year, they were 20th or worse. Like, this is not... Sean Payton, Drew Brees, like lock them into the top 10, 12 every single year, no matter what. And you can make an argument that in those other years, you know, with the Browns in 2014, Washington in 2010 and 2011, they didn't have a good enough quarterback to get into the top 10 or anything like that. But hey, I'm not sure if the 2021 version of Jimmy G or Trey Lance necessarily qualify themselves. So a couple quick stats to finish this. First of all, mention the Jalen Hurts rushing. Going into this game, he was, you know, just if he took his five starts and, you know, made a 16-game pace for that, he was on pace to have the second highest uh, rush attempt season ever behind only Lamar Jackson, and he continued to add to that. So in his six starts now, he's gone 18 carries, 106 yards, 11 carries, 63 yards in a score, nine carries, 69 yards, eight carries, 34 yards in two scores, seven carries, 62 yards, and the most recently that 10 carry, 82 yards one touchdown performance so any start sick question with Jalen Hurts unless you have Mahomes Lamar Kyler maybe Josh and Dak at this point it's becoming a little bit more of a maybe Jalen Hurts is gonna be that guy pal 20% of the rushing attempts again on the day like when you see 20% of the team's rushing attempts go to the quarterback like that's that's typically once you see that you know you have a top 10 quarterback no matter what and he weighs 225. I think that – didn't you say he thought he was like 6'4 or something last week? Yeah. Wasn't that a late-night myth? But, no, man, we've, we've been there. But he's, he's like not this – he's not an RG3 fragile quarterback we should expect to break down. No, he's thick. my entire point. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Thick with two Cs. Um, Devo Samuel, last six games, though, is our PFF lowly stat because it's not like Devo just came out of nowhere, everyone. He was having a good year last year as well. He just got hurt. So Devo Samuel, last six games, six catches, six six yards in a score five catches 65 yards 11 catches 133 yards six catches 73 yards and then in 2021 starts off the year at nine catches 189 yards and a score week two six catches 93 yards we bumped Debo up into wide receiver territory immediately last week after seeing that usage he is not going anywhere ladies and mostly gentlemen Next up, we got the Raiders defeating the Steelers. Great win for Raider Nation. 26-17, to 17, taking down the AFC North one squad at a time. Uh, Las Vegas covered as five-and-a-half-point underdogs. The under hit at 46-and-a-half. A uh, couple notes here beyond the box score. Brian Edwards had a nice short touchdown taken away by a hold, unfortunately. Maybe the hold, you know, would have just pressured Carr too much. If it hadn't have been there and the touchdown wouldn't have happened, just realized it was a nice play by Edwards to come down with that. And now, like, watching game 
games with other PFF people. Every single time the ball goes to Brian Edwards, there's like three people will say, oh, you know, great play, T.O., or there goes Randy Moss, you know, just every single time. Looking forward to doing that for literally his entire career. Um, also, the Steelers offense, just in general, looked really rough. Everything is so hard, man. It's like if the ball is going to Najee or it's going to Deontay or Juju on a short, you know, yak hitter, or they're throwing a prayer to Chase Claypool downfield. Now, Deontay is very good. He continued to make the most out of his targets. Claypool came down with a 51-yard catch. He is going to do those things because he's great. Even Juju has been showing more bursts this year and a better ability to break tackles, something that was missing from his game last year. But, man, like, unless their guys are just really going out of their way to make a great play, this offense has looked broke more times than not. Credit to Najee Harris for converting a short catch into a 25-yard score. He also stiff-armed the living hell, uh, Jonathan Abrams. That was a fun play. But the story of the day was definitely this Raiders offense. Derek Carr, 382 yards and a pair of scores. He had a lovely dime to Henry Ruggs to really put the game out of reach. 61 yards, hit him downfield. Plenty of goodness in the meantime. The Renfro to Wall. How we even had Foster Moreau going out there making several good catches. So, Dwayne, what did you see from this Las Vegas uh, offense in this one? Because this was a game with Josh Jacobs sidelined with the toe and ankle injury. Just how much did John Gruden really want to feature Peyton freaking Barber? Well, he did give Bar Barber over half the carries, 54%, you know, of the rushing attempts. But that still only equated to 29% of the snaps just because of the way the game script worked. So, Kenyon Drake was out there 71% of the snaps, was on a route 81% of the plays. So, he was... He was truthful in one way that as far as the rushing role, it was Barber's. But overall, Kenyon Drake was still the lead back for the game. They just didn't throw. They just didn't try to run the ball much against the Steelers. They decided that they were going to try to win the game by throwing it. And so um, I think that's why it worked out the way it did. Sixty percent of, hundred percent of the long down and distance stuff, Drake, you know, was out there. He was in a route. Eighty-one percent of the pass plays had sixteen percent target share. Honestly, Kenyon Drake. Like in a role like that, um, you know, could be pretty valuable. He kind of be like a Chase Edmonds, you know, type back in this offense, you know, for as long as Josh Jacobs is out. Um, as far as the rest of the offense goes, just real quick on the receivers, Edwards and Ruggs, 86% and 76% of the routes. So we want to see Ruggs get up above 80%. Like when you have receivers down below tight ends, you can have them in the 75% range and get by receivers you really want them up in the 85 percent and above so both of them are kind of hovering around that range they were both out there all the time in very obvious passing down situations um so we'll have to keep an eye on the raiders uh you know receivers as far as the sealers go um man i'm concerned here ian because this is two weeks in a row with all the motion and all the other stuff they're not running as many plays 56 plays so while they may be trying to gain some efficiency, it's problematic, especially for Chase Claypool, you know, only out there for 77% of the snaps, 74% of the routes. And James Washington is still a thing. James Washington's still getting 20% oh, no. of the plays. Yeah, he's, James Washington, 21% of the snaps, 21% of the routes run. Um, so it's, it's really hurting Claypool, the low play volume of the offense. They're still throwing plenty, even though they're trying to give these running looks. Um, you know, they threw the ball 42 times out of 56 plays that Ben was on the field. So, I mean, they're throwing the ball heavily, um, but they're just running. They're slowing everything down, and you're still seeing, seeing Washington involved. Um, so I think that's going to be problematic for Chase Claypool owners. Um, you're just, you know, if, you, if you've got him out there, it's probably going to feel a lot more like what it did last year. If, if they were running 65, 70 plays, you could deal with some of this other stuff um, because his routes are, are technically up. He's not giving as much time up to James Washington as he was last year. So from a percentage standpoint, but his overall raw numbers, 
They look very similar as far as the number of routes he's getting to run. In fact, they're lower than what we saw last year. So that's a problem for Chase Claypool. We don't want James Washington to be there. James Washington doesn't want to be there. The Steelers are still making James Washington be there. Uh, a couple injury notes. Unfortunately, Deontay Johnson, nine catches, 105 yards. He was helped off the field on the last play of the game, man. I didn't even notice this until I was reviewing some things. Maybe I saw it, yeah. a knee injury. Oh, man. Like, how bad did it look when it happened? Yeah, so it was, a, yeah, it was a very last play where they were just basically trying to, you know, get some extra yards. There was no chance of really winning the game. It was a meaningless play. He got all the way over to the side line was trying to get out of bounds and he couldn't and he got tackled you know Deontay's one of those players every time he's tackled you're like oh get up get up get every up. time and so he kind of got it, it didn't look weird it's just the way he went down and the defender just kind of rolled on his legs his legs were straight out it's not like it got twisted any weird way but I think you know Deontay's just he's a fragile dude um and so yeah we'll have to see what happens because man he looked great Ian like he is he is the best. He's the best receiver on this team. I know he didn't have a huge, uh, you know, day in the box score, but I mean, he was out there for a hundred percent of the routes today. Ninety-eight percent, or sorry, ninety-eight percent of the routes today. A hundred percent of the routes to Juju, but thirty-seven percent of the air yards, thirty-two percent of the targets by far. Like that doubled up Juju. It was ten percent more than Chase Claypool. So I mean, Deontay, like the, the two players to own in this offense are Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson. The rest are going to kind of rotate in and out as of if, whether or not they're going to be valuable enough for you to start them, depending on the size of your, of your league. Please be healthy. Deontay do this for us. Fantasy and real life football gods. Come on. We don't ask for much. Just don't take Deontay from us. Other injury notes. TJ Watt suffered a groin injury and the Raiders, man, that was scary with Derek Carr when he took that initial hit uh, really around his legs, but he was able to come back and return appeared no worse for the wear afterwards. So Derek Carr will get our PFF Lily, you know, honorable award here that everyone's always fighting over getting that stat Derek Carr in his last six healthy games. 381 passing yards, 316, 336, 371, and in 2021, 435 against the Ravens and against the Steelers, 382. The man is absolutely balling. And for a second, Dwayne, I was like, how come we haven't been on him more this year? Last year, this podcast gave Derek Carr a ton of credit. People can go back and freaking listen to it if you don't believe me. I know Derek has blocked me on Twitter because I made way too many meme-filled jokes about his lack of ability under pressure over the years. But in the year 2020, he truly played great, and he's doing so again in 2021. The only problem, Dwayne, as much as I would love to move Derek Carr up the ranks here, and okay, I'm sure we will a little bit, the next, like the next six games still, man, Dolphins, Chargers, Bears, Broncos, Eagles, Giants, he just overcame like two tougher defenses than maybe all of them. At the same time, man, that's rough again. Like I still don't know if we can go all the way to Derek Carr streamer material just yet. Yeah, I, I kind of think we do. I mean, I think we're just at the point. It's like you said. I mean, you read the numbers. Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, it's it's three hundred. It's over three hundred yards every freaking single game, and it hasn't really mattered which defense. And so, um, I mean, there's quite a few quarterbacks you like using, um, but I mean, we're about to talk about another team here in a minute with the Saints, where I would definitely rather start Derek Carr than you know Jameis Winston, and knowing what you're going to get Jekyll and Hyde, That's you fair. know, with that offense. So, yeah. Carr should definitely be in the top 20. I think QB1 territory is still a little bit away. But I don't know, Derek. Keep proving keep proving all of us haters uh, wrong. You're playing some freaking awesome football as of late. 
next matchup as Dwayne was teasing Panthers defeated the Saints 26 to 7 we saw the bad version of Jameis in this one credit to Carolina for covering us three and a half point underdogs the under hit at 44 and a half yeah man Jameis had two interceptions that like pretty much got an entire like uproar of laughter from the room like they were just the most Jameis being Jameis picks ever it looked like he had maybe gotten a lot of that out of his system you know he had the LASIK he had Sean Payton helping him out but uh, man they were just bad and just overthrows not again laughter people these were not interceptions where you know guy ran the wrong route you can give him a break it was bad I enjoyed it I love when Jameis has these terrible games because it's entertaining he's so much like bad Jameis is so much more entertaining than even an average QB so from that perspective I love it but if you're a Saints fan I understand that maybe you don't feel quite the same way about it on the other side of the ball another good game from Sam Darnold I will say this was not the same Saints defense that you know took Aaron Rodgers down last week they were missing I believe Five give starters. him his credit, Ian. Come on. Come no, on. Dwayne, we talked about this. We're not giving him his credit just yet. We talked about this several Adam weeks Gase, ago. Man. Come on. He's been stuck with Adam Gaze. Sam Darnold is playing much better than he ever has, and it makes sense that he got rid of Adam Gase in a Jets you know, system that is making Zach Wilson not look uh, much better in the same spot. So another... Uh, okay, he isn't doing it justice. De- Donald had another good game. Credit to him. We haven't been able to say that. I'm just saying, people. Lattimore, Davenport. There were a lot of starters out there. Let's not That's go true. ahead and saying he's, you know, doing things that Aaron Rodgers necessarily couldn't just yet. And, you know, just a big takeaway from that Panthers offense, though. And the one reason why I am happy to eventually – not next week, not the week after, Dwayne. Not after Darnold plays well against the Texans and Cowboys in the next two weeks, too. But maybe four or five weeks down the line, I will, you know, sit here, sign my apology to Sam Darnold, whatever the hell we want to do with it. Because he is thankfully giving us not only Christian McCaffrey, who we knew would ball out regardless, but DJ Moore, man. He is coming out as the undisputed one in this offense, which is awesome. And, you know, I... In a way, I want to kick myself, but in another way, we saw Robbie Anderson with the same play caller out-target DJ last year and have the more fantasy-friendly role. They added Terrence Marshall. Hey, I'm happy DJ Moore is rising above this, you know, potential three-way committee for number one duties. I would just be lying if I said that I thought this was like an easy situation to really pan out early on. But you know what? I will say with volume, and you brought this up a lot because I am a volume slave more than most, I would say, particularly. And I think we should be more so with running backs. But receiver, if we are going to, you know, try to take a chance on a guy to truly ball out and take that next step, I do think it makes more sense with guys like DJ Moore. So he looked great again. And a final note before I throw it over to you, Dwayne, maybe has something to do with reduced uh, uses for him. Christian McCaffrey did leave briefly due to cramps. Not a big deal. Came back, returned. He is fine. So let me know what uh, stood out to you there with the snaps behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's DJ Moore is the big thing, you know. I mean, out there for 93% of the routes, 88% of the plays. Like So Anderson was 74%. Um, Terrence Marshall was 51%. We got to get Brandon Zilstra in, involved now. <laughs> he needs to be involved with 18%, which really came from Terrace Marshall. So that hurt Terrace. Um, but if you look at DJ Moore, man, 29% targets per route run, 32% of the target share for the team, 37% of the air yards. He led in all of those categories, 2.12 yards per route run. Um, Moore's more looks great, man. He is he's the alpha on the team. Um, the other guys, so far at least, have just been much more complimentary to him and McCaffrey. It's their show. I mean, they're really running the offense through them. So if you drafted DJ Moore, um, 
there's really not anybody in the second round, like, I'm sorry, in the fourth round when I look at it right now, um, and I got plenty of more, but, I mean, Cooper Cup is probably the other one. Like, you would probably say if we redrafted again today, that might be the two receivers. And, and Evans had another good game today. Godwin's still good, too. But, like, if you had to really narrow it in, I would think those would be the two receivers people would probably be the most excited about that would be third-round picks now, right, not fourth-round yeah. picks if we were to draft a, a fantasy team right now today. Um, as far as the Saints go, Man, forty-four plays. Is this even right? Like, maybe our maybe the person that pulls the no, plays that, in wasn't that's, done. that's correct. That's correct. Oh my, forty-four <laughs> plays. Like the Cowboys see, run that. You seem offended, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> that's really bad. Let's just say that's really bad. Like you heard me earlier talk about you know the you know uh, the Rams being at fifty-nine being bad, or I think the Steelers were at fifty-five being bad. Forty-four is atrocious. You can't do anything on 44 plays. Um, so just just something to be aware of, folks. You did have uh, Taysom Hill working into the game as well. So Jameis played 93% of the snaps which of only 44, which is really bad. Um, so Taysom was out there for 25% of the plays, obviously not the quarterback every time they were moving him around. So they're still doing that. Um, but man, there's just nothing to buy in here in, into here. Um, target share for Marquez Callaway is the only positive thing at 20%. I mean, people know Kamara. Kamara's getting everything. Uh, 84% of the snaps, 74% of the routes, 62% of the rushing attempts. Like these are, these are historic numbers for What Kamara. do you want to say the snaps were? Uh, 84% of the snaps. Let's 74% go. of the routes, which he's normally been around 65 for his career. 40, uh, 62% of the rushes, normally been between 40 and 45% for his career. Um, 30% of the targets, target share today, led the team. Um, so um, the next closest was Callaway with a 20%. Uh, Callaway was out there for 81% of the routes. So don't give up on Callaway yet, but obviously somebody you don't really want in your lineups. Um, you know, Hopefully the Saints can turn this thing around and get it going. But remember, last week, it's not like Jameis blew up for these huge numbers. They had a very efficient game where some things really broke their way. Uh, and Jameis played well in that game, but the five touchdowns on the on the very few attempts that he had, you know, we had concerns about that being able to hold up. So he's going to have to show that they can come out and move the ball and not just depend on touchdowns to get every fantasy point you need from him um, via that way. So and until he can get that going, like really the only guy you can play in this offense is Kamara. You're going to bench every single other player. No, I, th I think that all adds up. And it was disappointing for Kamara investors out there. 12 touches just got him 30 scoreless yards. You're not going to see him, I think, have that bad of a game for the rest of the season. It might be a little time to start giving this Carolina defense some credit, though, Dwayne. A cool stat that I just saw dropped into our company chat by one Austin Gale. Carolina has created pressure on 52% of their opponents' dropbacks this season. That is the best in the NFL. So bad performance from Jameis, but we should be giving the Carolina a little bit credit as well. Brian Burns and company certainly wreaking a lot of havoc there, uh, at least so far into 2021. PFF Lily stat is for Mr. Christian McCaffrey, who, you know, it's just like at this point, if he doesn't have over 100 yards in the score, we're like, what the hell, man? And this one, he was able to do well, way more than that, 137 total yards and a touchdown on the ground. I mean, this is ridiculous, Dwayne. He has finished outside the week's top eight running backs in full PPR two times since week one of 2019, twice. Like, we're not even saying like an RB2 floor. This guy these floors as like a high-end RB1. He remains the running back position's all-time NFL leader in fantasy points per game. Just don't take it for granted, people. If you got that 101, you are absolutely thrilled. We knew that 101, 102, 103, that was like the best spots to draft, but it's always been 101. 
for Mr. CMC, looking like he's once again on his way to breaking fantasy football as we know it. On to the four o'clock slate here. Buccaneers blew out kind of on the final score they did, 48-25 over the Falcons. But this was a game where Matt Ryan got them back within, I want to say, three at some point. They got it back into a one-score game. And then Mike freaking Edwards had not one but two defensive touchdowns go his way for the Buccaneers. So it got a little bit out of hand later. But ultimately, this was a pretty decent comeback effort from the Falcons. They showed a little bit more than they did last week, which was absolutely nothing. So from that standpoint, it's good. They could have rolled over and made this one really ugly. So credit to Matt Ryan and company for getting back in there. Like, Dwayne, you should have seen Matt Ryan on the two-point conversion, man. He was diving over a dude. Like, this dude is still trying to put his heart and soul into this shit. Just unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. So, you know, one of the things we talked about, I think, on our game-by-game -game preview last week was just how inevitable the Mike Evans, you know, squeaky wheel spot was going to be. And that squeaky wheel got squeaked clean wherever the hell the impression is. <laughs> it got uh, the grease. That, it got, it the, got grease. the grease. There we go. Can, can, you, can you tell I'm not? Very handy. <laughs> I'll fix my car, man. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. Uh, Someone knows what they're doing. Nine targets, caught five of them for 75 yards. Pair of short touchdowns. Brady also got two more touchdowns to his BFF forever Gronk and a fifth for good measure to Chris Goblin. So, you know, Dwayne, I remember one of the things you said in the summer is like if you couldn't get necessary. I think Brady might have been your number one strategy at quarterback. I think you said hurts and hurts and Brady, right? Yeah, I, You're Brady a smart was, guy. If, yeah, if you can get to the ninth or 10th round and get Brady, and then if you missed Brady, it was Hurts. And, unless, you know, one of the other elites just happened to fall like two rounds into your lap, yeah. But yes, people, overall, just another brilliant offense performance from the Buccaneers. On the Falcons side of things, you know, we saw Calvin Ridley get into the end zone. My guy, Cordero Patterson, usually I'm tongue-in-cheek talking about him, but he actually played great this week. Rushing touchdown and receiving touchdown. They tried to use him as the quarterback in like a wildcat thing, and he fumbled there. But whatever, we won't focus on that negative play. Great game by CPAT. And we even saw none other than Kyle Pitts put together a big game. After many, I don't really think many, but maybe a person or two wrote him off after that disappointing season debut. So Dwayne, a lot of moving parts here. What stuck out to you the most? Yeah. I mean, just a couple of quick things, um, you know, and you hit it, but Mike Evans, you know, he was out of the game for a bit, but it's like you said, it was the bounce back game. 42% of the air yards led the team, 25% of the targets, probably both of those numbers are higher, right? If he didn't end up missing some time, um, you know, after running a, a route that was a non-contact thing where he came out of the game for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Antonio Brown was only out there for 50% of the routes, um, which was kind of interesting as much as the Bucks threw the ball. Um, it's just a big quagmire in the backfield. It's like split up between two guys and then Geo's handling all the long, most of the long down and distance. They didn't need the two minute offense today. So nothing changed there. The big thing is really what you hit Kyle Pitts, you know, and I talked about it last week that go get Kyle Pitts. If you could, and he continues to come through, man, he's hitting the key things you want 81% routes. So he's over the 80% threshold. And if you look at his targets, you know, he had, he wasn't quite where we wanted him with his targets today. You know, he was just under 15%, but I mean, getting over that 81%, um, you know, he's clearly the number two option, you know, in the offense, you know, Calvin Ridley is the one a, um, and he had 48% of the air yards and 20% of the targets, but Kyle Pitts, man, it's in a great spot. When <laughs> you see a, a tight end as athletic and as crazy freaky good as he could be getting to be out there over 81% of the time that his quarterback drops back. That's always a good thing. 
Yeah, you mentioned Mike Evans did briefly leave the game. It looked like it was a minor ankle thing, but he did come back fine and dandy. And even if it is like somewhat of an issue, man, I think we we saw him shut down at the end of 2019 when the team wasn't really going anywhere anywhere. Otherwise, this dude has played 15 games in every single season. Like Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and like Derrick Henry are the only guys I've seen like tough out hamstring injuries in the past and like still be good enough to produce uh, big time numbers. So future Hall of Famer, Mike Evans, I'm guessing at this point, seems to be well on his way to his eighth straight season with a 1,000 yards to start his career. Great to see. And that takes us to our PFF Lily stat, which is around this Tampa Bay offense. Dwayne, they have scored 30-plus points in nine straight games. No other NFL team has a streak longer than two. The Raiders were at three. They couldn't get that extended. The Lions have a chance to get to three after Monday night, which is kind of hilarious that it's the Buccaneers than the Lions. But, hey, Tampa Bay, under 30, you're just not seeing it these days. So it's a credit to Brady, Bruce Arians, everyone involved, just not those running backs who continue to piss us off. And Bruce, I'm sure, will tell us some other lie about Ronald Jones and company changing up the usage next week. Now, arguably, I'm not going to say arguably, I would say the Slate's single best game, the Arizona Cardinals defeated the Minnesota Vikings 34-33. This should have been a win for the Vikings. Their kicker missed a 37-yarder at the end of the game after Kirk got them in position to win. So disappointing for Vikings fans, but credit to Cousins for having them in position. Vikings covered as four-point underdogs and the over of 51 hit easily. So just it's Kyler Murray, man. Like he is on pace, I think, to make some serious noise in the MVP. He needs to be on the short list already. And it's almost like hilarious. We're already having Patrick Mahomes MVP, MVP fatigue. Like he's getting the LeBron James treatment, even though he's uh, what fourth year as a starter or whatever it is at this point. So I just think Kyler, like if you can ask any player in the league to score five touchdowns, Kyler's going to look the best doing it. And he continued to do that. And this one, he had a bomb, blown coverage, touchdown to Rondale Moore, but for him to just kind of get outside the pocket and get the ball there to begin with was impressive. Hopkins had a touchdown. A.J. Green had a touchdown. Somehow, A.J. Green returned from the dead. Just a little screen. Don't freak out. And if anything, it told us how much of a liability uh, Bashad Breeland is at this point. But then Kyler also ran in for a touchdown. So four total scores on the day from Kyler, 400 yards passing through the air. And again, it just looked incredible every time. Like the throws he had to Christian Kirk specifically. One time it was just a laser on like third and 18 squeeze it between a few times and then late in the game like fourth and ball game pretty much it would have been tough for them if they didn't get it cover zero i swear to god Dwayne, i thought kyler was just chucking this thing downfield on fourth <laughs> down sitting there waiting on it <laughs> nope it actually hits uh christian kirk in single coverage so great yep. game from kyler and great game from kirk cousins you know in a week where my jonathan taylor helicopter went crashing down oh i didn't mention with the patriots game i was yelling all week about jacoby myers scoring a touchdown spoiler he didn't. So, you know, a couple high profile misses from your boy. A couple of you did point out that, hey, Ian, you know, good call. Hyping up Kirk Cousins as the best streamer in this first part of the season all summer. So far, so good. Don't want to hurt myself patting uh, me on the back, but had three first half touchdowns. And again, just generally looked pretty damn good in this one. So, Dwayne, luckily, Dalvin Cook is not hurt. I thought he got hurt at about two or three separate times in this one. He ended up with 131 yards on the ground, 17 through the air. But, man, did you get a chance to watch this one live? Because, damn, man, this game was awesome. 
Yeah, it was a great game. It was on. I mean, I was watching the Cowboys game, you know, but I right. was walking. I saw. So I was walking back and forth. I had the Cowboys on in the living room, and so I was walking in, in there, and I would watch it with my wife. And then when it would go to commercial, I had Red Zone on in here, so that game was up a lot. But yeah, it was a crazy game. Um, lots of points. The the big thing I would say, you know, with the Cardinals offense, Ian, which is really interesting, and we've talked about this in the preseason, but I mean, they really are spreading it around. You know, you've got twelve percent of the targets to Hopkins in this game, fifteen percent to AJ Green, twelve percent to. Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore led the team with 24% of the targets um, and he ran the fewest routes. He was targeted on 33% of his routes though. And so Rondell, there's, there's some positivity going here. He got up to 57% of the routes. So he's creeping upward. Um, Hopefully he can keep that going. I just don't know how it would ever work out because I think they like AJ Green on the outside, right? And they want Kirk in the slot. So really Rondell Moore is rotating um, with some with AJ Green, some with Christian Kirk, and then they use the 10 personnel packages when they go four wide to really get Rondell Moore on the field. But I mean, man, he's doing as much as he can, you know, with, with his touches. So Rondell looks really good, but maybe he can continue to push for a little more work on the Viking side of the ball. Um, Justin Jefferson, 62% of the air yards, 31% of the targets, 26% targets per route run out there for 97% of the routes. Thielen was out there for hundred percent, you know, caught a touchdown early in this game. Um, we just need the Vikings to be in these scripts where they need to be throwing the ball, you know, because they kind of jumped out today and then you saw them do what we've seen them do in the past they kind of let their foot off the gas like Kirk Cousins had like 125 yards like in the in the quarter like in the area he had three touchdown passes immediately and then he was just stuck he was like stuck in neutral and so you know all these receivers were stuck in neutral as well but um nothing like jumping out in this game that's like oh my gosh there's this new thing the biggest thing is Rondell Moore you know continuing to expand his role a little bit more Christian Kirk did get more routes like I like we thought he would if he was in a game that was more competitive and they didn't didn't get to use as much 12 personnel I mean Max freaking Williams had 21% of the targets (laughs) You know, only in a route 60% of the plays. Did but, you see uh, that Kyler, one? Do you see the big play Max had? Yes, yes. Dude, Kyler's, that was like, dude, Kyler's delivering where he's going where the defense tells him. You know, I mean, it so got tipped. No, but the ball got tipped twice, but I was just like, you know what? Maybe yeah. Kyler planned it. Maybe he's running that hot. <laughs> he is running hot for sure. <sighs> Madness. And yeah, people, like, we're not bumping off this Kirk in the Vikings passing game anytime soon. Next week, they got the Seahawks and they got the Browns and they got the Lions. Panthers and Cowboys to close it out. Out of those defenses, man, the Panthers are really the only one that I think are significantly better than what they thought they were going to be. I still think the Browns are fairly talented, and maybe the Seahawks and Cowboys aren't complete pushovers, but credit where credit's due to Kirk, Jefferson, and Thielen. I think they can put up you know yards even against some defenses that might border a little bit more on average. So great stuff from them. PFF Lily stat, short and sweet. Adam Thielen, last 17 games. 17 touchdowns. Points win football games. Adam Thielen's great scoring them. He doesn't give a shit about your cries for regression. Keep doing you, Mr. Thielen. (laughs) Two more matchups to go over, everyone. We had the Titans in another great game. Come back and beat the Seahawks 33-30. Managed to cover at plus 6.5 in the over hit at 53.5. So this was vintage Derrick Henry game. Uh, One of the stats we threw your way going into this week was just how I think the last time he had like back-to-back weeks without 100 rushing yards was halfway through 2019. So Derrick Henry and, you know, it was a slow first half for him, but he's in the offense where they don't care. They'll, you know, call 13 carries for 30 yards. Oh, we got our body blows in. Here's 13 more, Derrick. Worked out just fine. Finished the day. 35 carries, 182 yards, and three touchdowns. And... 
Dwayne, like, I was impressed by that, but I think I'm more impressed by six catches for 55 yards for Derrick Henry on six targets. The guy can catch the ball. Again, he's not McCaffrey, but yeah, throwing the ball at Derrick, Derrick Henry instead of freaking Jeremy McNichols, I don't know. It makes sense, man. Like, that's what pisses me off. On fourth down, Derrick Henry wasn't in the game for Jeremy McNichols. I get it. You can't play your running back 100% of the snaps, but when we have these game-changing situations and the coaches are saying, look, Henry, like if you asked any person on planet Earth, particularly on the Titans coaching staff, who's better, Henry or McNichols? Obviously Henry. Same thing in Washington, Gibson or McKissick. It's Gibson. Like I get that you want the other guy out there for a lot of two-minute stuff, but really you're so hard-headed so hard that you can't make this exception when the balance of the game is in line. I guess not. It worked out for the Titans, though, so fair play. Couple notes on this one. Tough day for the AJB wide receiver one season fan club. Three catches, 43 yards on just on, I don't know, nine, nine targets. That's a lot of targets. I mean, that is not rare situation where we can't blame volume for this because he dropped a 30-ish yard catch down the sideline early after he had a sick double move and then later dropped another one down the sideline. Not quite as egregious, but definitely two catches we would expect him to come up with. He got like a play-action bomb that could have been a 50-yard catch. It was weird, man. It's almost like he put his arms out like 10 yards early and kind of slowed himself down. I, I'm not going to question AJB's <laughs> ability to track a deep ball too much, but again, just wasn't the usual top-tier performance from Brown. I'm not worried He's still not leaving your starting lineup. Just would have been nice to see a bigger game. We did see that from Julio Jones. Caught six of eight targets for 128 yards. No, he didn't score. That was not his fault. I still don't know how they didn't call this one a touchdown, man. I see a picture with both of his feet in bounds. This call was a touchdown on the field. Nothing seemed conclusive enough to overturn it. Ref's going to ref, and it was anyway. So, yeah, I think that about covers it from my other stuff. Oh, yeah, one last thing. Tyler Lockett, another fantastic game because he's Tyler Lockett and he's a fantastic wide receiver. Could have been even bigger. Like first drive of the game, he reels in this like 50-yard classic Russ Moonball. Later on the drive, he had a good three steps of separation. Russ managed to miss him. So Lockett has had an incredible season so far and it could have been even bigger with a better ball from Russ. So again, very entertaining game with 63 total points scored. What stuck out to you, Dwayne? Yeah, so just a couple quick things. Um, Gerald Everett, his routes jumped up to 79%. Um, So now he was was not targeted very often in the game, only 3%. But again, if a tight end can get up towards that 80% mark, last week it was much more of a split between him and Will Disley. So I don't – I'll have to go back and look at that. I don't know if there was any note on Disley being injured in the game. Um, So that would change my opinion on it. But Everett, you know, if he did just – you know, move into a situation where he's just going to be on the field, you know, 80% of the time and Disley's only 20%. Well, that's really big, especially on a, on an offense that has Russ Wilson as the quarterback. Um, and then Chris Carson last week, he handled all of the long down and distance work, um, which was like this plus for him because he was already handling all of the rushing. Well, this week he gave all of that back away. He gave it to Travis Homer who handled 83% of the long down and distance. And then Travis Homer and Alex Collins split all of the two minute offense. So that puts Chris Carson, at least for now, who knows how they make these decisions on what weeks this stuff occurs but this is what happened last year occasionally he would get those weeks where you're like oh chris carson's an every down back and then two for 
two more weeks, he wouldn't be. And then there'd be a week where he would be. And then there'd be two weeks where he wouldn't be. So we seem to be back onto that kind of, you know, checkered back and forth pattern that's going on with Chris Carson. Still going to be fine to have as a low end RB2. But as of this time last week, looking at those situations, if he was taking those over, he was really looking as, you know, a high end RB2 with a chance for RB1 upside. So just know that there's a slight downgrade with Chris Carson. As far as the Titans go, Derrick Henry, man, 75% of the two minute offense this week. We'll we see. Go. Does that stick? 100% of the long down and distance still went to Jeremy McNichols. But if Henry were to pick up either one of those roles to go on top of what he already has, it would be enough to get him, say, towards 30 to 40 receptions, which on top of what he already does would really be huge for him, right? That's always That's been the bigger issue with Henry is you get worried about certain game scripts where he can just be written out like what we saw last last week, despite how good he's been. Now, obviously he had a monster day today, so you're not going to worry about that. Um, you already hit on AJ Brown. You already hit on, um, you know, Julio both played, uh, 90% of the snaps to AJ or sorry, 90% of the routes to AJ, 93% of the routes to Julio Jones. So both were at last week, they were lower in those numbers. So they got behind in the game. They weren't playing as much at the end. So it's good to see that they're out there most of the time. 24% of the targets to each of those players. So the offense should really funnel between those two plus Derrick Henry the rest of the way. Um, you know, you're going to want to use A.J. Brown. Obviously, he didn't have a great game. He had a drop, but it's it's going to be fine. Um, final note, uh, Freddie Swain had five catches, 95 yards, <laughs> and a score for Seattle with Dwayne Eskridge sideline. I will just say, people, hey, credit to Swain for catching the 68-yard touchdown. It was the epitome of a blown coverage touchdown. There was not anyone within 20 yards of this dude, and he walks right into the end zone. So that's a reason why I love watching the games, because you find out that not all 68-yard touchdowns are created equal. So good job, Freddie. We are not ever going to even consider playing you in fantasy land unless several of the Seattle receivers cease to be healthy. But we got to go ahead and give Tyler Locke at the PFF Lily medal, because this year, 17 targets, 12 catches, 278 yards, three touchdowns. And again, could have easily had a fourth touchdown, be pushing for 300 yards after just two games. So I'm sure the haters out there will be saying, oh, just, just wait for him to go back to earth. You just got two incredible high-end games from Tyler Lockett to start the year. Give the man credit. Quit slandering him after he has great seasons just because he's a little more boom-bust than other guys. Like, have we ever thought, Dwayne, that maybe it's not as much Tyler Lockett's fault for being boom-bust as it is his damn offense always wanted to run the ball more than anyone? So criminally underrated, and I won't stand for it. Final game. Dwayne's Cowboys, my Cowboys too, got the victory. Cowboys 20, Chargers 17, Dallas managed to cover. Uh, yeah, they closed as a three-point underdog. The over did not come to fruition, 55 points. Pretty weird one. I mean, it seemed like every time Justin Herbert hit a pretty big play, it was coming back on a holding. Some of the freaking ropes he put out there, man, were just incredible. I was reading... Um, I was listening to uh, the Too High podcast at PFF that Seth and Deontay do. Always really good stuff. And just, you know, listening, and they had uh, Stephen Ruiz and Benjamin Solik on from The Ringer. Listening to, you know, I, I like to consider us true football guys, Dwayne, but the guys that just understand the scheme and just like the where a quarterback's mind's going at, at the highest level, hearing them like break down Herbert is like just even more incredible to uh, deal with. And we saw that again uh, come to fruition on in this one. So could have been a bigger day for Herbert. He had a 40-yard touchdown to Donald Parham, overturned by a Jared Cook hold. 
I don't know. It wasn't the most egregious one. Maybe some sabotage from Cook on Parham. No, it definitely wasn't that. But it did give us the opportunity to see Austin Eckler have a wild one-handed catch on a deep wheel afterwards. He took a shot, had to go into the tent to be, you know, figured out if he had a concussion. He came back out. So seemingly good to go. Also on the Cowboys side of things, CeeDee Lamb. Lined up in the backfield, got a legit handcuff, got a legit handoff. That's a weird fetish of mine. I love seeing wide receivers get true running back usage. Credit to the Cowboys for doing that with CD. And then before the half, like this was one of the better before the half plays I've seen. Short pass to CD. He cuts back across field. Zeke gets in pitch phase. Somehow Zeke gets the perfect, or CD gets the perfect pitch to Zeke downfield, and Zeke got run out of bounds like the three yard line. So not quite able to get it in there. But I guess the big story afterwards, first of all, make sure Amari Cooper is going to be okay. He took a hard hit at the end of the game, was slow to get up. Cooper is kind of like Deontay Johnson in that you always kind of think he's hurt every time he falls down. So I don't know if it's serious. He's used to playing through pain. Just something to keep an eye on. But it's this Cowboys backfield that's getting the bulk of the attention because Tony Pollard, 109 yards on the ground on the score uh, and looked more explosive doing it. Also at 31 yards through the air. Ended up, you know, awfully going pretty close to Zeke. Now, Zeke wasn't bad. He had 97 total yards and a touchdown himself. But, Dwayne, are we seeing this backfield start to go a little bit more towards Mr. Pollard? Yeah, we are seeing a little bit more, and he's looking really good doing it. Um, so, I mean, Zeke didn't look bad today. You know, I mean, he did some good things as well. Um, but 53% of the attempts went to Ezekiel Elliott. 43% went to Tony Pollard. So that is definitely a step in favor of Tony Pollard. Um, as far as the passing game goes, um, it was still much more to do with Zeke, 81% versus 22% in routes per drop back. But the key is when they have Pollard out there and they're really, it's like what we were talking about with Rondell Moore, they want to get him the ball, 43% targets per route run. So whenever Ooh. you're only out there for 22% of the routes, but basically half the time you're in one, they want to get you the ball. And so he still ended up with more targets than, than Zeke. He had 11% of the target share today versus 7% for Ezekiel Elliott. I still think both players are fine, but what we could see is Tony Pollard could end up sneaking in, you know, that standalone value, depending on how big of a league you're in. If you're in a 12-teamer that plays, um, you know, multiple flex spots, Tony Pollard might become somebody that you can use in a pinch. Not somebody I want to be running out there over wide receivers in my flex, but could be usable, could have some standalone value. Let's see what happens. I, I don't think it probably goes much further than this, Ian, but if it just stay, if it stays here, where it's like 55% of the rushing attempts to Zeke, 40% to Pollard, and Pollard gets four or five targets a game, he's going to have some value because this is an offense that runs a lot of plays, right? They're not like some of these other offenses we talked about that are just hyper-efficient, and they'll just sit on, you know, 55 plays a game. But the Cowboys are going to get a lot of plays every week. So even if you're not getting a huge share, a smaller share can turn into more and an explosive offense that, that keeps moving the ball. So... CD Lamb, just real quick, you know, 94% of the routes. So we saw last week with Gallup that once he was out, CD was out there pretty much 100% of the time, and he was. You and I talked about Cedric Wilson on the show saying, you know, kind of tap the brakes, folks. Nice ad. He had a really good play. I don't know if you saw one. Yeah, uh, he juked he, out like four guys. Yeah, yeah. He, he, had, <laughs> he had a cut inside and another cut inside. He looked really good on a couple plays, and they do like him. But he was only out there for 66% of the routes, 7% uh, 7 target share. Um, again, you could have some weeks where he might come in handy. 
um, but most likely unless you're in a really large format, this is going to now funnel more like what we thought through Cooper and through CD Lamb and then through Zeke and through Tony Pollard. So I think that's what we'll continue to see with the offense. And the rest of the guys, they'll get sprinkled in here or there. But look, you're not going to center your offense around these other guys when you have legit three to four other solid playmakers. Real quick on Mike Williams, um, 28% targets per route run. That was the second best on the team behind only Austin Eckler, who got up to 22% of the targets. Uh, we were Everybody was worried last week. We weren't, but a lot of people were worried about Austin Eckler. Um, guys, you knew Austin Eckler was going to get his targets, you know, <laughs> and you saw that come back this week. But with Mike Williams, one, one kind of interesting thing, he still did, he did well. He's, he's playing, he's playing really well as well. Yeah. Um, targets, uh, yards per route run, uh, 3.05 versus 2.49 for Keenan Allen. So, I mean, he's looking really good, um, but they were doing a rotation as well. He was only out there for 78% of the routes. Guyton was out there for 75%, but they were rotating Josh um, Palmer in with both of those players. So he played 25%. Probably not a problem, folks. I mean, if he can just get up around 80%, he is kind of more like a tight end anyway. And the way they're using him, it's really, it's it's all positive. Um, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. So on long down and distance, like they didn't have him out there as much. He was only out there for 57% of those snaps. They were getting Guyton and some of these other guys involved. So just something only to keep an eye on. Don't take that and say Dwayne said to bench Mike Williams. No, I didn't. <laughs> I did not tell you that. But it is something that, you know, that's my, my job, right, is to let you guys know if there's anything that's kind of setting off potential alarms, like a couple of weeks ahead and we'll track it we'll see what happens next week it could just be a blip like what we saw with robert woods last week yeah. uh, being down at 68 percent of the routes boom bounces back up to 98 percent today could be the same thing with mike williams yeah i'm not quite you know mike is starting to turn in consistent wide receiver one value i still think you know that wide receiver two borderline upside wide receiver three let's just make sure what we're seeing is consistent not you know going to be a two wink uh you know as you were saying exception to the rule but yeah for the cowboys you know we did see them just run the ball a little more than usual this week too dak only had the 27 total pass attempts got held under 400 yards for the first time in seemingly years but won't expect that to be too much of an issue here moving forward so i mentioned the uh, austin Eckler concussion able to return from and yeah it takes us to our final pff lily stat and i stole this one from our fellow co-worker nathan yonke always a great follow on twitter gets you all the snaps asap rocky at pff underscore nate yonke Tony Pollard scored more fantasy points than Ezekiel Elliott for a second straight week. I know it's infuriating people. We're still going with Zeke. Like you said it best way. Zeke looked good too. It's okay for both running backs to look the same. Like to both look good, I should say. I won't disagree with anyone that said Pollard looked better. He did. He had a better game. Ezekiel Elliott just fine as well. People, we have concluded the podcast. NFL Week 2 is almost in the books, which means PFF has data and grades for every single player who logged a snap last week. What you can get with the PFF sub, all of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, 0 to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team, player prop tool, which shows our plus-minus value for every NFL prop, and more. Check out the highest-graded players from Week 1 and 2 and look to find early value on spread picks and player props for Week 3. Also, people, we need to give a shout out to Western and Southern because the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your football lineup, Western and Southern can help you figure out your financial game plan. Their playbook of life, life insurance, retirement, and investment solutions can help meet your needs so you can rest assured on game day. They'll help you understand your needs and focus on your financial goals with a custom plan just for you. Visit westernsouthern.com to get started. Dwayne, we've made it, man. Two weeks in the book. Only uh, 16-ish to go. 
<laughs> yeah, man. No, it's great. It's it's awesome to actually be able to get to pull some of this data like together so quickly and give folks quick insights. So I'm excited about the format that we use tonight. We will be back talking more on Monday afternoon with our waiver wire episode. You know, I thought we had a good episode last week, but I just want to let people know, like, it will be almost solely waiver wire focused in the future. I want to get Dwayne's good thoughts from week one. We had a lot to talk about, but I know I think a lot of people might have gotten the podcast just wanting pure waiver stuff. And it took us about 45 minutes to get into it. So just saying in the future, that one will be more waiver wire focused, probably more on the 30 minute side. So keep an eye out for that. Dwayne, your utilization report comes out Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, it, it should be out Tuesday morning this week. My goal is that this week it shouldn't. I should be able to get it done tomorrow and have it done by the end of the day, so it can come out Monday morning. First week was just, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> so this yeah. week, um, not quite as much news, but there's still going to be plenty of stuff, and I'll dig deeper into all these different things. And those of you that have read it, like um, we hit on some of the basics here, but I get into like, you know, who's getting the third down targets, the end zone targets, all that kind of stuff as well. So you'll have a, um, some of the things you heard here, but I'll beef it up some more for you tomorrow. Again, at Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. Context matters because, of course, it freaking does, people. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.